So we're, we're made a lot of progress with this uh, sermon series. And next week, Pastor Brian will be back and uh, share a message to wrap up this series we call Image of the Church, but Images of the Church. But uh, not everybody's here every week, and I just want to kind of review the ground that we've covered here. Uh, the first week we talked about how we are the body of Christ, and Christ is our head, and we are interconnected and interdependent. We need each other, and we support one another um, in our unity. Uh, the second week we talked about how we are the bride, that Jesus is our groom who loves us so much, and being loved, being loved to death, gives us a whole new capacity to love others around us and, and love uh, those who we intersect with. The third week, we talked about how we are a nation of people as the church, that we belong to something so much greater than ourselves, an unshakable kingdom in a world that is tumultuous, in a world that is unstable at times and even frightening in some ways, that we are part of an unshakable kingdom. We talked about how we are a family, that God is our Father, and being that status, being a child of God, gives us such great hope and assurance and love in us. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how we are the temple. The whole point of a temple is that a God lives in the temple. Jesus is the cornerstone of this temple. We are the temple where God lives. That means God lives in and amongst us as a community. And wherever we go, we bring him with us. Last week, Javi was here. He was reflecting on how we are a flock, that Jesus is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. And not only for us, but for all those he wants to bring into that flock. So we are a growing flock and a diverse flock. And uh, so today's image, a little bit different, but we've covered a lot of ground. It's a pretty good job. I want you to look at the person sitting closest to you and say, not bad. <laughs> today's image is a little different. Uh, it's less of an image that God has given to us. It's an image, it's a label, a name that the world, the watching world, gave to the followers of Jesus. And they called them Christians. There's a group of people, they are living life, and we're just going to give it a new name, we're going to call it Christians. And this, for the first time, this name was given in the city of Antioch. So this is, a, the, this is about 300 miles now outside of Jerusalem. It's a, it's a pretty big city. And that's where the followers of Jesus were first called Christians. The disciples up to that point, they called themselves disciples or brothers or even saints, or the, the believers. But this was what they were called by the outsiders. And later, Christians adopted that to describe themselves Christians. And to this day, we still call ourselves Christians. I freely use that label for myself. The Greek word used there just means they belong to the party of Christ. They are, the, they are associated with Christ. I've heard it taught that it means Christian means little Christs. I don't, I don't, I just don't think that's accurate. I don't think it was meant ever to be a derogatory term. The Greek term is just too simple. It's just very formulaic. It just means this is a group associated with Christ, Christianos. It's just, it's very simple. Um, but we need to keep in mind as we think about this label that was given to these people is that today the label Christian, it has 2,000 years of baggage 
good and bad associated with this label. So when you say Christian today, that it, it, people have all these different thoughts about it, uh, but think about it this way. In your place of work, or in any, say, pretend you have a, a, a place of work, and there's, a, there's an open position, and there's going to be a new hire. And you're at lunch, and the HR person sitting with you at lunch and says, there's a group of you, and says, hey, we filled the position. We're going to have a new employee starting next week. So that's great. And that person says, without any real emotion behind it, says, yeah, I, I guess this person is a devout Christian. Now, you might say, that's fantastic. My new coworker is probably going to be honest and kind and hardworking and forgiving, and that's the kind of person. In, in your mind, you're thinking this. The person sitting next to you might think, oh, a devout Christian, this person's probably going to be judgmental. They're probably going to be uptight and anti-science and hypocritical. And so de depending on who's sitting around and what they associate with the term Christian, they're going to place their, you know, that baggage onto the label. But in Antioch, there was no baggage because there was no such thing as a Christian because they didn't exist, or they did exist, but this is the first time that they were given that particular label. So here's what I want to do today. We're not particularly considering what it means to be labeled Christian today, but what was it about what they were doing that they needed a new name? So three things. Why did they get a new name? Secondly, why did they get that name? And thirdly, what did they do with that name? This, I believe, is an important message for us today because we really do, in, in many ways, have sort of an identity issue, an image problem as Christians. And again, our goal is not to leave this place and convince the world that we are cool or relevant or good. Our, our goal is to be obedient to God, to give him the glory, to live as he intended, really just to live out our faith just like they were doing in Antioch. They were just simply living out this faith and they end up with this label. But and we very much more care what God thinks about us than what the world around us thinks about us. But at the same time, we're called to minister and to be a blessing and to speak truth and love to this world that is watching us. So it, in, in some ways, it's important for us to be aware, to pay attention to what we demonstrate to the watching world, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and the church in Antioch gives us a great uh, picture of that as we answer these questions. So let me stop here. Let me stop here and pray. So Father, as we think about this, as we consider who you are, as we consider who we are, Lord, we, we realize that the fact that we can know you and experience you and that you care to work in and through us and to shape us and to sanctify us, to make us more like Jesus, Lord, we're, let us be amazed again by your goodness in that. And I pray that we just have hearts that are very receptive to whatever you want to do in this place, in this time, and as we go from here as well, Lord. So we give it to you. This is your time. Be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, first thing. Why a new name? Why, why did this group need a new label? The reason is it's because it was a whole new way of living. For a while, really for, for a, a good amount of time, the followers of Jesus were just known as Jews. 
It was just a sect of Judaism, and they followed this Rabbi Jesus in this new way of the kingdom of God that he had claimed to inaugurate and bring into the world. So in one sense, Christianity was just a, a very straight uh, continuation of Judaism. But now what was happening is there were people who were not Jews who were coming to faith in Jesus, but they weren't converting to Judaism. So they're not Jews. So what do you call them? So now we have the Jewish believers and the non-Jewish believers both, and it, it's just a new thing, and it needs a new name. But think about where this is happening. This is now in Antioch. And Antioch was a big city. You've got, um, you've got Rome, Alexandria, and probably the third biggest city in the Roman world is Antioch. So it's a, it's a big city. There's a lot of different people from different cultural backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, and as people are inclined to do in big cities, in the ancient world, and even today in a big city, people will build neighborhoods and social networks around their culture, their ethnicity, their religious beliefs. And there was all these different groups of people living in very busy, very, um, very populated Antioch. But now we've got a group of people following Jesus who are now breaking down the barriers between these people such that people from one non-Jewish community and the people from the Jewish community are now believing the same thing. And now they are sharing a faith that's coming across a cultural barrier. And that's, that was essentially a new way of life, an unprecedented way of interacting with people, that it needs a new name. Um, you know, and yes, it's a new... Yes, it's a continuation of the Jewish faith, but Jesus said... Look, there's a new covenant. There is a new way that people are going to interact with God, and it's through me and what I've accomplished in my blood. That there's the old covenant and all the Old Testament and all of God, what he did in the nation of Israel, is being fulfilled in me. So it's a new thing, and they, they look at it and they say, that's Christianity. Now, this multicultural community uh, and identity is foundational to the Christian faith, so much so that the watching world has to call it something new. That's why when we, as Christians, if we ever start to divide ourselves based on things like uh, race, socioeconomic status, background, education, gender, when Christians divide along those lines, it's not just wrong, it's worse than wrong. Because it's antithetical to the new community that Jesus ushered in that wasn't just tied to one nation of people, but it's a message for uh, all the nations. Jesus said, as you go, make disciples of all the nations. It, that's why in this very same church in Antioch, a little bit later, one of the disciples named Peter, a very famous disciple, he was starting to behave in such a way that was putting those walls that broke down between the Jews and the Greeks, he was starting to behave in a way that was putting those walls back up. And the Apostle Paul got really upset. You can read about it in Galatians chapter 2. And he had to publicly state how wrong this was. And again, I assume that the disciples had their differences and they had their things they had to resolve, but this one was, had to become public because it was such a big deal when we start to divide that way. It really cuts across um, what is foundational to our faith. 
So, so that's why they got a new name is because they're doing a whole new way of life. It's breaking down barriers. But think about this, and this I think is good for us today, thinking about today. This is happening in the midst of a really terrible situation. Christians were being killed. A man named Stephen, and you can read about that uh, earlier in the book of Acts, he was, he, we understand him to be the first Christian martyr, the first one who gave his life for being a Christian. Christians are being persecuted and killed, and they scatter out, and they go as far as 300 miles away to Antioch. And it's, it's important to know that God does some of his best work in the midst of our struggles, and the stuff that we think is just so terrible, that God is doing good things. So when we face illness, death, struggles, people who are struggling with addiction, financial struggles, in all these things that we see as terrible, God is often using them for his, for his good and for the sake of his kingdom. So whatever you're facing in your life, we can look at all those things through the lens of what God does, and he does not waste the pain, he doesn't waste those, those things. So that's good news for us. Whatever we face as a church, whatever you face as a family, God can be glorified and used. Uh, the other thing we, we should notice here is that this is, just, this is just normal Christians living out their faith wherever they are. Again, you've got all these Jewish people in the Jewish community, they're coming to faith, but now they're scattering into the world and their neighbors and the people they're interacting with just aren't Jewish. So they just proclaim Jesus to people who aren't Jewish. It's just, we, they, it's what I would call their new front line. The front lines of our lives are the places where we interact with people who don't know Jesus. Or people who think they know Jesus, but they really have never considered the person and the work of Jesus Christ in any meaningful way. That's a front line. They had a new front line and they just, all right, you happen to be Greek, I'll share Jesus with you. And wherever you go in your life, you have a front line. And your front line might be in your place of work or in your school. It might be in your own home. There are those who don't know Jesus, who don't have a meaningful relationship with him. That's your front line. And all you do is you live out your faith in those places. That's how God's kingdom has always worked. And that's how it works for us too. And also, the, probably the most important thing here, look at verse 21. Verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. This is the whole key. It's not that these guys were so great or that they did something so amazing. They just proclaimed Jesus wherever they were and God's hand was with them. God builds his church. We can't build the church. You can't go out and live so excellently that God's kingdom just advances powerfully. God's kingdom is advancing because his hand is on it and moving, and the invitation to us is to be part of it, to share in the blessings of that kingdom. But God's hand has to be with us, and we pray for that. As you go about your day, God, may your hand be with me, and may I see what you're doing, may I see your kingdom advance in the world around me. So they got a new name because it was a whole new way of life. Okay, second thing, why the name Christian? Why this particular name? Well, the answer is quite simple. They get the name Christian because they were just so focused on Jesus. Look at verse 22. 
news of, of this, of what was going on in Antioch, reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived, and he saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad, and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. You know, they've got all these people coming to faith. We've got Jewish people and, and Greek people, and they're coming to faith in Jesus. The church hears about it. This is a little strange. They send Barnabas. He's very trustworthy. He's one of their good guys. Barnabas, go see what's going on. He sees it. He sees it's authentic. And he, he teaches them for a long period of time. And what does he teach them? He says, stay with Jesus. Stay with Jesus. And then he goes to get help. So he goes to find Saul. And so he, he goes and gets Saul. He says, Saul, come help me. We're going to teach these people. And for a whole year they're teaching. And they keep teaching. And it was during that time that they got this label Christian. Why? Because at the center of this teaching had to have been Jesus. They're just teaching and teaching. It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus-centered discipleship. It's all about the life and the death and the resurrection and the ascension and the future return of Jesus, what he has accomplished and what he has done. And at the center of it is the grace of Jesus. In verse 23, Barnabas shows up and he sees what the grace of God has done. It's God's grace that is motivating this whole thing. For us, the first lesson in this certainly is to keep Jesus in his grace at the center of our faith. The teaching is, hey, you've come to this new thing, keep grace at the center, keep Jesus at the center. Don't just set up a new set of laws. Don't just set up a whole new religious pattern that people can follow. We know what we're following, we're following Jesus. We, he has fulfilled all the law on our behalf. When people today hear the word Christian, that person's a Christian, or I am a Christian, or would you want to become a Christian? They hear rules. They hear, they, they hear Christian and they think that's a system of beliefs, that is a set of rules to follow. Would I want to follow that way? Would I want to live that type of life? But at the center of what's going on here, what needs to be at the center of our life is not what we do, but who we follow and what he has done on our behalf on the cross. Going to church, helping the needy, praying, being honest, those things do not make you a Christian. They don't make you a follower of Jesus. Following Jesus will produce a way of life where you will probably want to go to church and help people who are poor and pray and be honest, yes, but it's, it's a way of life that flows from following Jesus. And this is, I would argue that this is the number one thing that you need to communicate to people when, if, when you are sharing your faith with them. When, when you interact with people, they are, their default starting point with Christianity is probably this set of laws or, or rules, religious, a religious way, a religious path. And it doesn't take long as you start talking about grace to, to really start to chip away at that. Actually, my, my ex God accepts me not because of that I've done these things, but because of what Jesus did. And I put my faith in that, not in what I'm doing. I'm not inviting you to do what I'm doing. I'm inviting you to, other than putting your faith in Jesus, I'm inviting you to that. So that's kind of the primary lesson in that. 
But the other lesson is to just really stay connected to Jesus. The world saw these people, they saw their commitment to Jesus, and they called them Christians. When the world looks at us, do they see our commitment to Jesus? Even something as simple as showing up at church on a Sunday morning. 50 years ago, that would have meant nothing. If you said, hey, I'm gonna, I'll be going, what are you doing Sunday morning? Oh, we're going to church with our family. Oh, of course, everybody does that. Today, you say, hey, I'm going to church with my family. People still do that? Wow. I was talking to a woman last week. She was, they asked her to join a golf, uh, golf team, a golf club. And, and um, it, they had their little t- uh, competitions on Sunday morning. She said, oh, I can't be on your team because I go to church on Sunday morning. They're like, come on, really? You're not going to join our exclusive golf team and you're pretty good and we need your skills because you're going to go to church? But how simple is that? No, I go to places where I interact with Jesus, where I grow in my faith and where I praise him and thank him and I pray. It just, it screams a lot louder than you think it would. So we do those things and we, we do it with each other. Um, you know, here we have Barnabas with the humility to know that he can't disciple this new budding church. So he goes and gets help from his buddy Saul, Paul, as he's also known. And we have gospel partnerships. We need each other's help. That's why we also gather in, in small groups and spiritual friendships and ways that we can walk together with others so that we're not alone in this. So why do they get a new name? Because it's a whole new community. Why that name? Because it's so focused on Jesus and what he's accomplished and his grace alone. Finally, what did they do with this new name? Uh, Verse 29. Or just before that, there's a famine. There is, uh, there's some prophets, they predicted there would be a famine. There was a famine. And this is what the disciples did in verse 29. The disciples, each As each was able, they decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea who kind of were in the brunt of of this family. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So we have a whole new covenant. We've got a new community with Christ at the center. And now they're living out their faith in practical and tangible ways. What they did with this new label is they reflected the character of Christ. They reflected the character of Christ. Here it's expressed through generosity. And I've always said, giving away your possessions is a perfectly good expression of faith in Jesus. It is a perfectly good response to the good news of Jesus. When we do that, when you give your money away, it shows that your ultimate hope is somewhere other than in your money because you were able to give it. It reminds us that God is the source of every blessing that we experience, that that God is the source, and he's also the source of my security. If my security was, was, in in our world, money really is the big security, because you could lose a lot of things, but as long as you have your money, you'll be safe enough. You'll be able to get medical care. You'll be able to have a home. You'll be able to provide. If you have money, you will survive. That's kind of the ultimate source. But if God is my ultimate source, then even the money I have, I can, I can hold it very loosely. And it reflects the character of God. Do we look at God generally as a giver or God as a taker? And we know God is a giver. He, 
gave us Jesus Christ to die in our place. God is a giving God, and we see God, and we reflect that in our community. And the early church was generous. I mean, there was expressions of the early Christians where they just, they all just lived in community and they sold everything such that nobody really had possessions at all. It was all just held in community. Here, a little bit different. This actually looks more like what we do. People, as they were able, gave their gifts to uh, the leaders who brought it to a church with elders and the elders distributed it. They did the ministry of the church. Um, through those gifts, and there was trust in the leadership to, to do that. And again, notice that it's not a tax, it wasn't a requirement. People just freely gave as they were able to give. And you know, in a lot of ways, this is why we do finances in our church the way we do them. We, I, I take very hands-off approach, that I don't know what anybody gives. I don't have access to that information. I don't want access to that information. Um, you know, if you give a big donation to a museum, they'll, they'll have a special event where they invite you, and they'll feed you and thank you for your generous gift. You give to the animal shelter, they're gonna write you a nice letter. You know, we, we know exactly, thank you for supporting our thing. If, if you give a lot of money to the church, you don't get special treatment from me, because I don't want to treat you different because you're wealthy than somebody who's not wealthy. I don't want to treat you all the same. Um, and this, because, we all have different ability and capacity to give, and God just wants us to respond as we are able. I do want to encourage you to give. That is actually something that I think is good, because we see God's spirit at work, because there's, there's resources and there's needs, and in God's economy, it all, the resources are there. It's just beautiful to see it happen. Um, is a quote attributed to uh, Winston Churchill. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. We make a living by what we get, we make a life by what we give. It's just a good uh, reminder to us about our, our posture towards our, our resources. Some people say, church talks too much about money. Some people say, you don't talk enough about money. So here we have the early Christians being generous. This is a good opportunity for to think about, as a church, where we, how things are going financially. The first thing I'll say is, this year, right now, today, Free Christian Church is, is, is doing very well financially, meaning that we have, we've been able to manage our expenses, and people have been very generous to the church, and, and we're okay, compared year over year. Things are good, and that's, we should celebrate that, because God is providing and, and people are being generous. So thank you for being part of that. This is a good year. Um, there was also, it's also been a year where there's been some, when we think about ministry, we think about you know, children and our missions work to uh, the needy in our community. But we had some extra capital expenses this year that were not fun or flashy. So we had to seal a parking lot and paint new lines on it and we had some paint that needed to be repainted. And, um, you know, those aren't fun and flashy things, but they cost money and they allow us to maintain facilities uh, where people can gather and worship and children the, and from young to old can be discipled and grow in faith. So they're necessary. Um, so we did have, we've had some extra needs there that haven't been, we haven't talked a lot about them, but we haven't had 
gifts that have covered those expenses. So if you happen to want to join in on that, the capital fund would be a good place to give this year. That's just a, a practical matter. So, but praise God, things are going well, and we're we're going to have a special um, offering next year, uh, next month for our Christmas offering. We're going to give information about that. But this is a really exciting opportunity that we're going to join in with. Um, God's kingdom work. So, but giving is a beautiful expression of the Christian community. So, what did they do? What did they do with this new label? They just reflected the character of God in, in how they live, the character of Christ. So we have a new community with a new name. They're called Christians because Christ is at the center. They're reflecting Christ. And it was that was the label. That's a Christian. My question to you is what label do you wear? What label do we wear? If if the watching world were to watch how we live as a community, what would they call us? What would they label it? My prayer for our church is that we would be people who go out from this place onto the front lines of our lives, that we would wear and bear Christ well. The way that we welcome people who are different than us, the way that we focus on Jesus and his grace, what he accomplished on the cross through his death and his resurrection. And may that life, may the life that's brought about by that reality uh, reflect him well, reflect his character together. Now, as you live that way of life, just know some people are not going to like you for doing this, for living this way. Uh, but don't worry. Don't be angry. Don't be frustrated. Remember the words of Jesus. He said this. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me, Jesus says. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Hey, we're going to live this way of life. Some people are not going to like you, but that's okay because here's the good news. As we live out our faith on the front lines of our lives, as we keep Christ at the center and as we speak and demonstrate the good news of Jesus, as the Lord's hand is with us, people are going to come to faith. A great number of people may believe in may believe and be turned to the Lord and then we get to share in all the joy and all the blessing of God's kingdom as it advances in that way. May we be people who bear the name well. Amen.